All right, we are in the sermon series. It is called Compromised. And uh, we are talking about, we're following the light, the, the story of Lot. Um, and what we started with Lot and Abram, um, who's actually Abraham, uh, last, sun, last Sunday, and the title of that sermon was Doing Business. And the question that was brought up was, you know, what does bad business look like? Um, and again, we talked about not just businesses where you make money at. I mean, we're talking about your business. What does bad business look like? And, we cut, and the answer we got last Sunday was moving your business to Sodom. And then, what does good business look like? And then the business, um, or the answer that we got was moving your business to the altar. And then we tried to leave you with this um, uh, statement saying, when doing business, remember, all that glitters ain't gold. And not all gold glitters. That's what we covered last week. Again, you can find this sermon online um, or in any of our platforms. So we're moving on to the second part of Compromised. And um, this is going to come from Genesis, um, the 19th um, chapter. Genesis, the 19th chapter. Um, However, I need to do my due diligence and I need to issue you a warning. (laughs) And the warning for those that are on the phone that may not be able to see the screen, I'm going to read it. It says in big red letters, warning, the following sermon contains explicit content that some may find disturbing and offensive. Viewer discretion is advised. And I say that because if there is anyone here um, or watching online today or a year from now who um, does not want their kids exposed to what we're about to talk about, you have about a minute to take care of that. Um, If there are some of you who are not really ready for the story um, that I'm about to get ready for, uh, that I'm about to preach on, uh, which is the... um, which is on Lot and Sodom. Um, you have time to, to get out. But we're going to move forward to the book of Genesis, 19th chapter. And uh, I'm just, Lord, give me the strength to preach this one. 19th chapter, the ninth verse. If you have trouble finding Genesis, it is, it is the first book in the Bible can tell what the book is by the top left or right pages or of the pages if you don't if you see anything else you have gone too far go to the beginning look for the big number 19 you will find Genesis 19 and then you're going to find a smaller number that says 9 we will actually be reading verses 1 through 11 today but um, chapter 19 verse 9 is where we're going to go in the interest of time because there is a lot a lot a lot I have to get through 
I'm going to go ahead and read out of the Christian Standard Bible Version. You will find similar words printed in your text. Genesis 19.9 says, Get out of the way, they said, adding, This one came here as an alien, but he's acting like a judge. Now we'll do more harm to you than to them. They put pressure on Lot and came up to break down the door. The title of the sermon for today is Time to Leave Them Alone. Time to Leave Them Alone. You know, there's people in our lives that we try to um, help out. We try to minister to. Uh, we try to tell them the right thing, what thus says the Lord. And some people are receptive to the truth. But then there's some people who just don't get it, who just don't change. And the problem is not um, uh, necessarily that um, they're, they're, they're not changing. Uh, the problem with us is, is our relationship with them. We love them so much. You know, we're, we're with them so much. And we want them to change. We, we, we want them to be different. We want them to follow God's way. But they're showing time and time again that it is not happening. And at some point, you know, it's easy if, if you're talking to just anybody in the world and, and they reject Jesus and you're like, Psh, bye, you know, I, I told you. But when it's somebody you love and when God is hinting at you or, or nudging at you and telling you, it might be time to leave them alone. Uh, there's a problem because we, we don't want to leave them alone. And, and then we start telling ourselves uh, about the signs and maybe this and that and whatnot. And, and now I'm not saying that we got to give up on everybody. I'm not saying everybody got to be given up on. I'm not saying nobody can change. I'm not saying that people, you know, don't change, you know, maybe in one season and then they change another. What I'm saying is there are times when God calls us to leave people alone. And, 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 and God will have us see some of the signs. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What are some of those signs that it's time to leave them alone? What are some of the signs that it's, it's time to leave uh, the people we've been trying to help, the people we've been trying to minister to? What, what, what are some of the signs that it's time to leave them alone? And this is what uh, uh, our buddy Lot is, is dealing with. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 19. Now, before Genesis 19, um, uh, uh, there had been, um, the, the Lord came down with two angels um, and they had told er Abram, uh, who, who would later be Abraham, that um, Abram and, and, and Sarai, that they would have a son. And then after that, those two, an uh, those two angels would go ahead uh, to go to Sodom which is where Lot moved to, if y'all remember, back, back in the last sermon. Lot chose to go to Sodom, that exceedingly wicked city. 
And, and, and Lot was there, and, but, but the angels were going to destroy Sodom. And, and that left Abraham, uh, Abram um, uh, uh, kind, of in a, kind of in a funk. And, and he was asking the Lord, you know, if there's 50 people righteous there, you know, would you save it? Would you spare the city? And the Lord said, yes, I'd spare the city if there's 50 righteous. And then Abraham keep going down. Well, what about if there's 40? You know, what about 30? And then you could see that Abraham was kind of drilling down to his family because at least he knew that his family was righteous. Um, and so God had, had said that he would spare the city on account of uh, the ten. And so here is where we come. We have these two angels and these two angels, again, we got to get the image of, out of our head. These are not uh, 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 winged creatures, um, not these angels. These angels are not winged creatures. These angels look like men. And so uh, these angels are here and they're getting ready to come in to Sodom and they're getting and they meet Lot at the gate. So Genesis 19. Hope you got your Bibles open. You are going to need your Bibles open. Genesis 19 verse 1. It says the two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. Um, so, and just throwing that out there, that means that Lot was somebody important. Um, in that culture, if you're doing business at the gate, um, it meant you were a judge or, or somebody, you know, of high esteem. You know, not just anybody could hang out at the city gate. Okay, so Lot was somebody in, in Sodom. Um, or at least we think he's somebody. Uh, keep moving. When Lot saw them, when he saw the angels, he got up to meet them. He bowed with his face to the ground and said, my lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. You know, chill at my house. Come over to my house. And, and, the, and the angels, well, again, we, people can't tell they're angels. They look just like regular men. They said, they said, no, you know, we would rather spend the night in the square. You know, we, 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 we already, we already booked the hotel. We, Appreciate the offer, but we're good. Verse three, but he urged them them so strongly that they followed him and went to his house, into his house. He prepared a feast and baked unleavened bread for them and they ate. Now, this is already a little suspicious, right? You know, if, if, if Lot is welcoming these visitors saying, hey, you know, come in, because that's the, that's the custom then. You know, when you have guests, you're supposed to welcome them and, and offer them a place to stay. And they say, thanks, but no thanks, we got plans. Most of us would be like, okay, well, you know, the offer still stands. That'd be it. But when you say, um, no, you really need to come over my house. Like tonight. And I will have you leaving early in the morning. Like, no, no, you can cancel the Marriott downtown. I need you to come over my house tonight. That's suspicious. That's weird. So then what? Lot knows something. That's up. And then here we go. Again, what are some signs that it's time to leave people alone? 
Okay, there's four signs. I'm going to rapid fire this as much as, as fast as I can. One sign is when you've preached to them and after you've shared the gospel over and over, it's clear that the people have no restraints. There's no boundaries. Um, they're not becoming um, better. And in fact, they may, they may seem worse. Um, verse 4. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, y'all got about 30 seconds to get out of here. The men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Let me get off the pulpit for this part. Send them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Now, y'all know this is a, a cleaned up version of what they actually said, right? Okay, just get that out of the way. Um, now, the first thing that most Christians focus on is the homosexuality. And let me be extremely clear where I lie. When it comes to homosexuality, I agree with what the Bible says. I agree with the church's stance on this. Homosexuality is a sin. And it has been roundly condemned by the word of God. It has always been a sin. Old Testament and New Testament. And you say, oh, New Testament too? I thought Jesus changed all that. Have you read Romans? Do you know about Roman culture? I know y'all don't want to hear this, but if I don't tell you at church, you know in Rome, they used to, you know, break boys in? Yeah. Kind of like how you hear things happen in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, they, they, it was open. They did that. They were proud of it. You know, when people start talking about how we're such a backward society, I'm like, do y'all realize when the gospel was written? And to whom they were talking to? Homosexuality is a sin. It's, all, it was, it's always been a sin. It is a sin, and it will forever be a sin. It has been a sin consistently over the thousands of years that the Bible was written. Homosexuality is a sin. Okay? Am I pretty clear on that? All right. That said... We focus on the homosexuality, but that was not the only thing about Sodom. Nor was it even the main thing. You see, we, uh, as Christians, we often talk about how you know, Sodom got destroyed because they were all gay. No, read Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, 49 through 50 verse. 49 says, now this was the iniquity, the sin, of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, and comfortable security. 
Y'all know Lot did move there for something, right? It was great. It was a wonderful area, you know, from a financial standpoint to move to. They had all this. But they didn't support the poor and the needy. Verse 50. Check y'all Bibles. Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50. I'm at verse 50. They were haughty and did detestable acts before me. So I removed them when I saw this. We always keep talking about Sodom was destroyed because everybody was gay. Sodom was destroyed for a number of reasons. Yes, it's true, they had no sexual boundaries. When you go outside of what God has designed, let me clarify what God has designed. God has designed sex to be enjoyed between a biological male, born biological male, and a biological female, born biological female, who are legally married. That is where sex is, 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 is supposed to be enjoy, enjoyed. Anything outside of that is a sin. I know we focus on the homosexuality, but, but the thing is, this is just evidence that they had gone outside of what God had told them to in the, in the area of sex. I know you keep saying that S3X word too much. Sex. <laughs> They had no sexual boundaries, but, but keep going. They were rapists. Oops, sorry, Facebook. Y'all realize this is a gang rape they're talking about, right? Why am I hearing this sermon? You realize that they were going to force themselves. They, they, if you read your Bibles, they didn't say, bring them out here so we can talk. And, and maybe, you know, get their consent. No, that, was, that wasn't the plan, y'all. And I'm sorry if this is triggering memories for um, um, anybody in the crowd or anybody online. I'm sorry this is what it is, but I'm condemning. This is why Sodom was destroyed, because these things were sins. These things were wrong. They were multi-generational sinners. Y'all realize, it said young and old, right? Y'all realize y'all got a son and their dad and their grandpa going after the same people. Um, you know, everybody talk about America, but there's some things we, I ain't seen that happen yet in L.A. Not, not, not as a mob. They were threatening to foreigners. If you realize how much the Bible talks about welcoming in those who sojourn, those who travel from other countries, that, that is important. And even, even back then, they realized how important it was. They weren't even, there were people that didn't even believe in God. And they recognized that welcoming in um, strangers was important. But Sodom, as soon as they saw them, all they wanted to do was have sex. 
You couldn't even have foreigners come in. And God hates that. You know, we talk about the homosexuality, but we don't talk about how we deal with our immigrants. Keep moving. They refused to help those in need. Are you starting to see why God destroyed Sodom? It's not just because of the homosexuality. Yes, it is a sin. Yes. But there is so much going on that God is like, they need to be removed. Keep moving, James. What's another sign that it's time to leave him alone? Uh, Sign number two. You compromise to appease them. You know, morally speaking, you want to meet people, you know, halfway. Verse 6, Lot went out to them at the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, don't do this evil, my brothers. My brothers. The the young and old men of the city who have gathered together to gang rape some foreigners. My brothers. Uh, Y'all realize Lot loved that city, right? Don't do this evil, my brothers. Look, I've got two daughters who haven't been intimate with a man. Translation, they have are virgins. Translation, they have not had sex. I'll bring them out to you. And you can do whatever you want to them. We talk about a lot talking, right? And I understand this is, again, this might be triggering for Uh, those of us who may have experienced something like this, and I'm telling you now, on behalf of God, that is wrong. Whatever happened to you, whatever your dad or your uncle or whoever, whatever happened to you, that was wrong. It always has been wrong, it is wrong, and it will always be wrong, as long as the word of God exists, and it will exist forever. It is always wrong. But lie will throw out his daughters. Why? However, don't do anything to these men because they have come under the protection of my roof. Now, there's, there's two things to re- realize here. There's, yes, we talked about how it's customary. You know, that's just something you don't even do. Whether you believe in God or not, you don't just come in and, 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 and mess around with the foreigners, right? You don't do that. So that's just custom. That's just, it's just not done. But second of all, another reason why it's not done is you don't know who these two people are. And what Lot is saying is, look, I love this city. I love this people. Y'all might mess around with the wrong one and start a war. So Lot is freaking out right now. He's like, this might be the end. If, if, we, if we mess this up, this might be the end. Little does he know the end is already coming. But isn't it so sad that Lot, you know, this is the ironic irony of the statement is, you know, 
they're going to be, they're under the protection of his roof. But aren't his daughters already in his roof? So, so you, you see what I'm saying? And, and let me tell you, so what are, we, what are we trying to say? Compromising makes you inconsistent. It, it makes you a hypocrite when you say you're about one thing and, and doing another. It, it, it makes, it, it, you, you just don't line up. You say one thing, you do another. You're, you're preaching one thing and you're glorifying one thing, but then you, you, you go and perform another. It's just, it's just, it's, it's wrong. And, and then I know that we compromise sometimes because we want to help people, but, but we're not helping them. In reality, we're hurting them. Do y'all think that God would, would re- relax some of his judgment? Because, you know, at least, they're, at least it's not homosexual relations. At, at, at least they're not messing with foreigners. Do, do, you, do you think God would... would would accept that as a substitute? They're hurt. They're, he, it's hurting them and yourself. You, by compromising your values, you, by compromising your beliefs, you, when you compromise who you are, you think you're helping somebody, but in reality, you're hurting them and yourself. Move on, James. Another sign. That it's time to leave people alone. I mean, let's be obvious. They won't listen to you. Move, Lot. Verse 9. Get out the way, they said. Adding, this one came here as an alien, but he's acting like a judge. Who does he think he is? Y'all ever experienced that when you try to tell people something? Who who, do you think you are? What gives you the right? You're not even from here. What gives you the right to tell me what to do? And then look, now we'll do more harm to you than to them. Now, now this, is a, this is dangerous. They put pressure on Lot and came up to break down the door. And my question to you, again, I'm going to try to keep moving, is when it comes to trying to talk to people, is the problem that they don't know or is it that they don't care? You need to answer that question. That's a hard question to answer. Because a lot of us would break it off with some people if we realized that it's not about how many times we got to explain it to them. It's not, it's not that they didn't understand it and, and the, the first seven times you said, may, maybe they just don't care about what you say. And I'm sorry, but there are people in this life that do not respect you. They do not like you. There's people that don't like me. I mean, we, we serve a God that a whole lot of people don't like. Do they not know or do they not care? Keep moving. 
Last sign. Um, what is another sign that it's a time to leave them alone? Um, they don't repent after their punishment. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, verse 10. But the men reached out their hands. Okay, talking about the, um, the angels. Uh, the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot. You know who's getting pressed up on the door? They reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they, the angels, struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. If I'm in the middle of sin and suddenly I can't see. This is just me. Y'all tell me if this is you. But if I can't see, I'm going to be like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, my, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I, uh, whoa, whoa, like this is way too much. I'm so sorry. That, that's just me because I like my eyesight. You know, I, I need to see. I want to see my, my wife and my beautiful son. I, I want to I see them. But these men got their sight taken away. Where are these men at? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to get them. Oh, you going, where they at? <laughs> are you serious right now? Are you serious right now? But you realize that there are some people in our lives, we tell them over and over that, that God will judge them, that this is the wrong way, and they don't care, and then what happens is life happens, or God happens, and then things happen to them, and then, and, and then the, light, you know, the punishment that they deserve comes upon them, and what do they do? They still keep doing it. Don't get Drunk is going to mess up your liver. Then they go and they get liver cancer. And then after they, got deal with, they deal with that, they're still drinking. Don't be getting in fights with everybody. Then they meet the wrong one and get knocked out. And then they get up and say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then they're on again. It's like... When God, let, let me say it like this. If God didn't change them, how will you? That's my question. How you gonna do it? God did, God tried, God did. How are you gonna do it? And I say this because these are just four of the signs. When the people have no restraint, no boundaries, no sense of right or wrong, no, no respect, no care in the world after ministering to them with the gospel. When they have no restraint, when, 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 when you need to compromise just so you can have a good relationship with them. When they're not listening to what you are saying and, and when even when they um, uh, are punished, they don't repent. These are some signs that it is time to leave them alone.
And I'm not saying that these people are beyond salvation because God can do anything. But what I am saying is that sometimes what, you're, you're, what you were trying to do just ain't going to work. Sometimes what God wants you to do, and sometimes the best thing for that person is for you to remove yourself from their life. Because as long as you are there, you are keeping them in the same state that they're in. You think you're helping, but you're not. You think you're compromising is a good thing, but it's not. Now, somebody might be looking at this and say, well, you know, Lot tried to sacrifice his daughters, but isn't that strange that the whole gospel is about God sacrificing his son? Well, there, there's, a, there's a difference. There's a difference. Follow me. Lot's sacrifice was designed to satisfy their sin. But God's sacrifice by giving us his son, Jesus Christ, it was designed to save us from our sin. Lot's sacrifice uh, was, uh, uh, was for a temporary change in behavior. He wanted the crowd to stop doing something for just a little while. But God's sacrifice is for a permanent change in the heart. It's not just about behavior modification. It's, it's about what, what, what's going on in our soul. It's about who we are. It's about God, God doesn't just want to change our behavior. He wants to change our beings. Lot's sacrifice was out of fear. He didn't want to lose the relationship. He didn't want to lose the city. He was afraid. He was, he was scared. And so he made some sacrifices because of what he thought he would lose. But God's sacrifice was out of love. Yes, it was out of love. It was out of love. God loved us so much. Verse, uh, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lot's sacrifice was uh, 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 weakened his witness. It weakened it. That, that means that, that, that means that Lot's influence was worse. That means that Sodom had less respect for him because he threw out his daughters or wanted to throw out his daughters. It weakened his witness. His compromise weakened who he was and what he said he stood for. But God's sacrifice was his witness. See, see, God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went on the cross and he bled for you and for me. And he, he took his, our sins upon his body on the cross so that we could die to sin and live in righteousness. And then Jesus, not only was he crucified on the cross, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, he rose up from the grave. Yes, he did. With all power in his hand. So my question to you is this. Which sacrifice best represents yours? See, 
And I'm, and I'm getting ready to close. I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of here. When you, I, I know we love them. I know we, I know we want the best for them. Okay, we're talking about real people, family, friends, coworkers, you know, neighbors. We, we're talking about real people here. We want the best for them. But is what we're doing with them trying, are we just trying to satisfy their sin? You know, are you? I remember hearing a story in college about one of the people I knew about how they ended up having um, given up their virginity to their boyfriend because their boyfriend kept saying over and over that they wanted it. He wanted to have sex and she just said, well, you know what? I want to keep him happy. So she gave up her virginity. That didn't help him and that didn't help her. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because now you had, just putting God aside for a minute, now you have a relationship based on, on carnality. You know, now when he wants it, he should get it. And now he knows that she, he can get it from you. So the next time when you say you don't want it, now you get all upset because you did it before. And see, now you got problems. Not, not even talking about God yet. Lot's sacrifice was designed to satisfy. But are we trying to curb people's sin? Or are we trying to lead them to salvation? Because that's what, that's, what, that's what Jesus is about. Now, are we, are we trying to temporarily change behavior? Or are we trying to lead people to change their being? Another way to say it is, are we trying to change what they do? Or are we trying to change who they are? Lot's sacrifice was out of fear. So many of us compromise. We link up with the wrong people. We do the wrong things because we are afraid that if we don't compromise our value system, our beliefs, our relationship with God, if we don't compromise it, we might lose them. But if that's what it is, you already lost them. See, it, it, God sacrifices out of love. See, the person you are trying to maintain this relationship with, the person you're trying to witness to, you need to be sure within yourself that you are doing this out of love for them. That you are not only just doing it out of love for them, but, but that you are maintaining your faith in Christ because you love him the most. And that a person that truly loves you will love the Lord first. And they would want you to grow. They would want you to, to keep moving. Not just boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband and wife. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about coworkers. They would want you to grow in Christ. Was it weakness? Was it being weakened? Or weakening your weakness? When, when, you, when you do what you do, is, does it make you less legit? as a Christian in other people's eyes. Because just as Jesus was God's witness, we should be God's witnesses as well. We should live changed lives. We should be changed. We should be different. Knowing that not everybody's gonna like it, but that's not the point. The point is not for everybody to like you. 
That's a, that's a lesson I had to learn. Not everybody going to like you. Just deal with it. You, you, you won't please. You can't please all the people all the time. You, you just can't. In the sermon, James. Look, you may want the best for them. And, and, and look, if I know I've talked for a while, if there's anything we can leave with here today, if there's one thing, it's this. You may want the best for them. However, don't change for people that don't change. Don't change. You shouldn't change for anybody. I mean, God obviously will change you and grow you, but you should not change your beliefs, change your values for anyone, especially people that don't change. Don't change for people that don't change.